your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Father God, we uh, ask a blessing on our children as they go to Children's Church. We thank you in faith that you are there, you're with them now, and you're there waiting to meet them. We ask that your spirit would be poured out, that your plans um, would be executed for each one of them in the name of Jesus. Good morning. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, my friends Tony and Orna Sperandio. Did I get it right? Okay, I have a hard time. I'm from Kentucky sometimes. It's difficult for me. Um, Tony and Orner are from Kafar Saba in Israel. Um, it's a town pretty much just outside Tel Aviv. And um, 30 years ago, they started meeting for a Bible study in their house. And now, 30 years later, they have a large church of mostly uh, Jewish believers, some Gentiles, but mostly Jewish. In Kafar Saba, it does so much, he's going to tell you about it, but an incredible church where on a given Saturday morning, how many languages do you enter? 20 languages? About 20 different languages are spoken in their church because Jewish people from all over the world are coming back to Israel. And so in, in their congregations, um, on, the, on the music, you'll see four or five languages. And then other people sitting around interpreting for people that don't speak any of those. Is that astounding or what? It's been 2,000 years since anything like that has happened. And it's happening now. They also have a congregation of uh, Indians and Sri Lankans, people that come to Israel to work. Uh, mostly in the health industry, uh, nursing type things. Um, and they have a church uh, that meets on Sunday morning in uh, Tel Aviv. So these guys are amazing. They're fantastic people. And I just would like you to give a, a real round of applause to them as Tony comes up and, and teaches. Shalom. Uh, shalom is the first word you're going to hear when you come to Israel. Is there anybody who has been in Israel? Yeah. Have you heard the word shalom? Wonderful. Shalom means peace. It's a word of greeting. We need peace where we live in the Middle East. Modern state of Israel is 70 years old and we had already 10 wars. But shalom is not the absence of war. Shalom is the presence of God. Shalom is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. And the last but not the least, self-control. Amen? Hallelujah. So we know that Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But you know that fruits don't grow by themselves, right? They need a tree. 
They need a tree of righteousness. The tree of righteousness brings the peace. We need to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And righteous means to have a right standard before God. We know we cannot have a right standard before God if our sins are not forgiven. So therefore, we're thankful for the Lord has sent His only begotten Son, Yeshua, who died on the cross, cursed on the tree, in Jerusalem, we're going to speak more about that. You know, in, in the Hebrew language, shalom and shalem, which means to be complete, and shulam, to be paid for. Just shalom, peace, shalem, complete, shulam, paid for. The Lord on the cross 2,000 years ago paid for our sins that we might be complete and restored in fellowship with Shalom, with God our Father. Isn't it wonderful to know that Shalom is the greeting word when you meet someone. So Shalom is basically when we are called to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We are not only called to pray for protection over terrorist activities, which we have time to time, but we, to pray for the Lord to reveal Yeshua, the Prince of Peace to the people living in Israel. Um, we, have a, uh, we have a slide, uh, we have a presentation here, the PowerPoint, can we, can we start with that? And I want to introduce us to our congregation. This is Keila Tamayan. Can, can you say Keila Tamayan? It means the congregation of the wellspring. Amen? Okay, so I'll see if it's, if it's working here. I'm supposed to be moving. Yes, so let's first look at some scriptures here. Jeremiah 31, verse 7. You have five commandments that are given to you. You know? Imperative mode. Tzivui. Okay? Your first commandment, you are called to sing with gladness for Jacob. Sing is a commandment. With gladness, yeah, all right. For who? Who's that guy? Jacob. Well, Jacob is Israel. You remember, is the, grand, the grandson of Abraham. On the way to reconciliation with his brother, inheritance issues, you know, he wants to make peace with his brother. He sends the gift and his family, and he's alone in the dark, and he meets the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord tell, ask him, what is your name? Jacob, Jacob means crooked, you know, because when he was a baby, he was holding to the, you know, the foot of his, of his brother. Say, well, your name will not be crooked anymore, will not be Jacob, but it will be Israel because you have striven with God and man and you have prevailed. So when you are called to sing with gladness for Jacob, you are called to sing with gladness for Israel. Do you know what is happening in Israel? Well, how can you sing for joy with gladness for Israel if you don't know what's happening in Israel, what God is doing in Israel? This is why we are here. We are here so you can fulfill the commandment of singing with gladness because God is doing wonderful things in Israel. The second commandment, you call to shout. Can you shout? Can, can we hear some shouting here? Okay, wonderful. That's good. You're called to shout for what? For the head of the nation, the Rosh, you know in Hebrew Rosh, the head of the nation, there is 
among all the nations that God has created, he has chosen one nation to be the head, you know, to be the, the chairman of all the nations, the leader of all the nations. And I, I'm very sorry to tell you that the United States is not <laughs> the head of the nation. You, might, you know, I mean, so, some, some people in the world believe that. And, and, and the head of the nation is a very, very small nation. Very small nation. It's Israel. You know, um, by the way, I'm sorry the children are not here because I love to teach the children of Israel about Israel. So I'm going to give you a story. Do you like to hear a good story for children? But please promise me when you, when you meet your, your children or your grandchildren, you need to pass on the story. Okay? It's a very beautiful story. It's the head saying to the hand, Hand, I need one of your fingers for a very special job. So the thumb said, me, 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 look at me, I'm the strong one, I'm pushing all the time, I'm fitting for the job. Second one, the index, look at me, I'm the clever one, I'm pointing the way, you know, I should be, be picked for the job. Third one said, look at me, I'm the tallest of all, I should be fitting for the job. This finger said, look at me, I'm wearing the crown, I'm the king of the fingers, I should be fitting for the job. And then the little one said, well, I'm not strong. I'm not clever. I'm not tall. I don't wear a crown, but I'm available. I'm willing. And the head says, well, you know what? Bring me the little finger because the job I need to do is to clean my hair. <laughs> Israel is the little finger. Israel is opening your ears to what God is doing. Israel will always be the sign that God, creator of heaven and earth, is at work on earth. And that the Lord is working in wonderful and marvelous way. Now, the third commandment you are called to do is to proclaim. And the proclamation, I don't have the verse here, but it's in verse 10. You can look in your, in your Bible, the same chapter. It says... Hear, O nations, hear, O divide, and proclaim it. Proclaim the word of the Lord to the highland far off. So we've got a message that you need to pass on. And the message is this. The one who has divided, dispersed, who has scattered Israel, will regather him as a shepherd keep his flock. The shepherd of Israel, you know his name because he's your shepherd, is Yeshua. So Israel was scattered 2,000 years ago and now it's been regathered. This is part of the prophetic, you know, God is a, is a God of prophecy. There are prophecies that happened in the past. There are prophecies that will happen in the future, in the end time. And there are prophecies that are happening today in our generation. You see? You know, he who has scattered Israel 2,000 years ago, our Lord Yeshua prophesied, he says, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, how I long to keep you under my wings as a mother hen keeps her chicken. You didn't let me. Therefore, your city will be desolate and you will be scattered. And I will not come back until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we know that God who has scattered the Jews from all over the, the world, from, from the land of Israel, is regathering 
you know, like, like a collector, you know, are you collecting anything, you know, are, are you collecting, you know, things, and, and, and you are looking for all the, you know, this is what the Lord is doing about the Jewish people. He's looking for him, and he's collecting them, and he wants to bring, of course, together, you know, and the scripture says that he will bring them to the country that he promised to, his, to, the, to their forefathers, the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the land of Israel. And so the next is to give praise. This is a wonderful thing that God is doing, you know. I mean, our congregation, Kelatamayan, we are an Hebrew-speaking congregation. Most of the people are learning Hebrew. Within a year, usually, you, you are able to speak Hebrew. They're a wonderful school for adults and children, you know. But we have new immigrants coming from different parts of the world. So they are coming North America, South America, Ethiopia, you know, you name it, Europe, you know. But in verse 8, uh, following verse 7, it says, I will bring them from the north country. I will bring them from the north country from all the different parts of the world. The north country, if you have a map of the world and you look Israel and you, and you look north, it is speaking about the Russian-speaking country, you know. Did you know that Russian is the second most used language in Israel? More than a million and a half of new immigrants speaking Russian have moved since the 1990s. And it's amazing to see that these prophecies are being fulfilled in our generation. God is working in Israel today. He's, he's been scattered, the Jews have been scattered for 2,000 years and now they are coming back. Half a, Half of all the Jewish population in the world is already in Israel. In 1948, we had 600,000 Jews. Today, we are 7 millions. There are more, 7 more millions scattered throughout the world, most of them in Europe and in North America. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to see that even in, in this year, as I'm, I'm speaking, you know, you can recognize my accent. I was born in France, you know. I was always thought to myself, what would it take for the Jewish French people to move out of Europe into the Middle East? You know, they had wonderful situation, you know, great jobs, great opportunities. And yet, now because of terrorism, because of anti-Semitism, and because of the economy, you know, many, many Jews from Europe are moving out of Europe and are coming to Israel. I mean, more than 30,000 Jews have already come to Israel and we are waiting for hundreds of thousands, you know. We still have space in our little small country because half of our country is a desert. But, you know, under the desert, there is water. And God has promised to turn the garden, the, 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 the desert, into a wonderful garden. So we are called to give praise and thank the Lord for what He's doing in Israel and to pray. Our calling, your calling, is to pray. And this is the prayer of intercession. Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Why a remnant? Because there are only 14 million, one for, 14 million Jews scattered all over the world. They are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know? while there are more than 400 million people who are claiming descent from Ishmael. 
Ishmael and Isaac had only 14 years difference. You remember Ishmael, you know, and Isaac, only 14 years difference. Descendants of Ishmael, 400 millions. Descendants of Isaac, 14 millions. Why? Because throughout history, there was a consistent move from Satan to destroy the Jewish population, to remove the witnesses of the glory of God, you know? And therefore, this is why to stand for Israel is, not, is nothing that is uh, more and less than to protect lives. And you know, uh, the greatest calling for us as believers in the Yeshua and the Prince of Life is to rescue those who are led to the slaughter. So this is why I've written two books. The one is The Mystery of Israel and the Church. I'm going to be using part of it uh, for the teaching that I'm giving. You know, and the second one is called Israel and the Shedding of Innocent Blood because about 10 years after I got saved, the Lord revealed to me that to kill innocent babies in hospital through abortion is the murder of innocent children. And therefore, we, we've, in Israel, the body of Messiah is very involved, very pro-life, and we are saving babies by the thousands. So those are those two issues. It's about life and death. And I remember an evangelist who said, I don't want to play with marbles when God asked me to remove mountains. So, you know, many times we're asking, what is my calling? What is my gift? What is my ministry? And I want to tell you, I believe God has given you the ministry to save lives. I mean, whatever there are people in danger, whether it's the Jewish people or the Armenian people, and I was in Armenia not, uh, just a month ago, or the unborn children, or, or the, 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 you know, the refugees or whatever, whoever is in danger of death and danger for their lives, we are called to be the one rescuing them. Do you agree with me? Yes? yes? Amen? Wonderful. So this is what the Lord has done. He has brought Jewish people from all over the world. But why? God, why are you bringing all the Jewish people from all over the world? Well, first the natural then the spiritual. I want you to learn to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. Here is the answer. What is God planning for the Jewish people to bring them in the Middle East? Ezekiel 36 verse 24. I will take you from among the nations. I will gather you out of all the countries. In verse 24, chapter 36 of Ezekiel. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will take the heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will, be, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgment and do them. You, and I will dwell, you will dwell in the land that I give to your fathers. You shall be my people. I will be your God. God is bringing Jewish people from all over the world for one reason. He wants to have a divine encounter like he had with Jacob. <laughs> you know, he wants to meet face to face to a peniel, the face of God, you know, encounter. And this is what the Lord is doing today. All these Jewish people now are slowly, slowly coming to salvation. 
You know, and when you hear about, we know, when 30 years ago, when we started our congregation, Kilata Mayan, you know, in Kfar Saba, the foothill of Samaria, there were 300 Jewish believers in Israel. You could fit all the believers in Yeshua, the Jewish believers, in this room. It's amazing, 300 years, we all knew each other, you know, we, we knew about this, this, this lady, you know, in the kibbutz in the north, and she got salvation, and, and that person in Jerusalem, and that person just arriving from, you know, we're just a small family, 300 believers in one country. Can you believe that? Today we are more than 30,000 Jews believing in Yeshua. Amen? Can we give praise to the Lord? Can we give glory? It's the work of His Holy Spirit. You know, he has done it. It's not us. It's not coming by the work of the flesh. It's coming by the Spirit of God. So when you hear about Jewish people being saved, what, how, what does it speak to you? Romans eleven twenty-five. Paul writes to Gentile in Rome, saying, I don't want you, my brothers, to be ignorant of this mystery that a veil is being put upon the Jewish people until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And then all Israel will be saved. You can check in the scriptures, Romans 11:25, The mystery of Israel, there's been a veil of unbelief put upon the Jewish people so the salvation can move from the Jewish people to the nations and then the spotlight, uh, the spotlight of the Holy Spirit of salvation will go back in the end time back to Israel. You know, this is called the mystery of Israel. And when I'm telling you 30 years ago, 300 people, today more than 30,000, the Lord is removing the veil upon the Jewish people and this is just the beginning we are 8 million people in Israel now. 30,000, this is the tip of the iceberg. This is just the first fruits of the big harvest. And part of the big harvest is the salvation of Jewish people, young and old. And our congregation is basically just standing in the field of God in the midst of the harvest. For 30 years, we have seen people coming to faith and more and more quickly and with more and more and larger number. So I want to introduce you to our congregation. First of all, our, our foundation is prayer and intercession. There's nothing that happened in the spiritual world without prayer and intercession. And I know you are a praying congregation here. And I want to encourage you, keep praying. Don't give up, you know, keep praying. Intercession and prayer is one of our ma main ministry, but we believe that God is also a practical God and he wants to help you know, the, the, the poor and the needy, the new immigrants. Some new immigrants are coming with nothing. I mean, they come from Ethiopia and from Ukraine. And you know, so we have humanitarian help distribution center to, to, to help to send to other countries, but it's first to the refugees who are coming here and then other countries like we have some works in in, the, uh, in India and, and Ukraine and Sri Lanka and so forth. Uh, we, we are known for our ministry to widows and orphans. Of course, when, you, when you're working with pro-life ministry, you, you help single mothers and uh, you, you, you help, you know, um, 
mothers, uh, mothers who, who don't have, there, there's no fathers, there's no husband, you know, so the congregation is becoming basically, you know, the godfather, you know, a godmother of, the, of, of those families. We have a lot of families. And so, um, and then Holocaust survivors, we have, uh, we have been blessed for this ministry of Holocaust survivors. Most of them are not believers yet. But by the love of God, you know, inviting them, you know, to to social event, we have a music concert and 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 dinner for them, and we share about the love of God. There's nothing there's nothing greater than than love. Love is the key to warm to warm the heart, you know. So when you pray for us, you pray for this ministry. Our next generation is the children. You know, there is no success without successors. You know, our faith is a transgenerational generation, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, uh, a grandfather, father, <laughs> you know, child. So, you know, our ministry is not for ourselves. It's just to pass on to our generation. So we have a children's ministry, uh, youth ministry. This is our Mayan India Lanka just fell on our lap. Some uh, a Jewish woman uh, was very sick and she came to faith in Yeshua. She got healed. She got saved. She, 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 she came out of depression. She invited her friends. We found ourselves with a church now. And those people, after five, seven years, are going back to their country with the DNA of the messianic you know, faith of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so some of them have already started churches in India and guest house in Sri Lanka and, and, and uh, orphanages. So we found ourselves with offshoots. You know, like 2,000 years ago, everything started from Israel, and, and so you may want to pray for that. Our, late, our newest congregation is in Beersheba, is Cubans, Cuban Jewish people who made Aliyah. You know, they came with families, and so they speak Spanish, you know, so it's wonderful. It just fell on our lap. We, we, we didn't look for it. It just happened, you know. Um, anyway, Betzalel is a wonderful ministry, creativity and healing. It's people who cannot express themselves with words so much. You know, people coming out of trauma and uh, a, a lot of children, also adults, and through creativity, craft, and art, they're just reconnected with the God of creation. And through that, people have come to faith. They've come to the healing power of the Lord, and it is a wonderful ministry that we have. We are involved in worship, in music. I'm, I'm a songwriter. I'm, uh, now, now I became a book writer, but uh, uh, you know, um, many gifted, uh, talented people in our congregation. This is the Taglita Mayan. It's basically we take the people, the Bible on hand, and we go to the sites where God spoke. So we take you to Samaria, we take you to Mount Moriah, we take you to all the places that you read in your Bible, you see with your eyes, and, and you meet the living stones. So you get to meet people involved in bringing the gospel of Yeshua, whether in the, from the Jewish side or the Arab side, because we're working hand in hand with our Arab brothers. Uh, Kingdom First, this is the Ministry of Reconciliation. I'm standing here with a pastor from Bethlehem. He lives in the Palestinian territories. You know, and together we have conferences and we have joint project, the one new man. You know, the healing is always in the hands of your enemy. You know, when we started our congregation, we were a congregation with only, only Jews. You know, I was the only one not born in Israel. You know, they were all Sabras, Sabra, you know. Um, and then suddenly we had the visit of two young Germans. 
uh, they were in their 20s and they said, well, we want to serve in the congregation. And I, I was excited because I needed help, you know, you know, you know, you know you're a pastor, you need help, right? I, I, young people, they, they, oh, we, we feel that God is calling us to your congregation, we want to come. So I said, great, wonderful, come. This evening we have a, we have a, a, prayer, a prayer meeting. So I bring them to the prayer meeting and I introduce them to the group, you know, the, uh, our, we had a small group, about 15 people. And I said, listen, I mean, they are coming to help us and serve with us. And then there's a lady who stood, she was in her, you know, 50s, and she said, I'm sorry, but I cannot pray with these people. They are Germans, and some of my family were killed by, you know, in, in concentration camps by the Germans. You know, I cannot, I cannot pray with you. I'm sorry. What would you do? Pastor, if this is happening in your prayer time, you know, I, 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 I didn't know what to do, but the sister, the lady, there was, you know, she was 22 and, 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 and a brother was 20. She started to kneel down at the feet of this Israeli woman. And she said, I'm very sorry for what happened to your family. I was not born when the war ended, but in the name of my nation, Germany, I want to ask you forgiveness for what we have done to your family. The lady broke down. She started to cry. She stood up and she embraced this German girl. This German girl, this Gentile German girl, became a citizen of Israel and she's serving in our ministry. She's one of our best, you know, our, 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 I, call, I call her the, the woman pastor, you know, she's a pastoral heart and God is giving her the heart. But it started with humility, you see? And suddenly I just got it, I said, wow! The ministry of reconciliation, the, the healing, the healing is in the end of your enemy. So we started with the Germans, we loved, so, you know, Jews and Gentiles together, Mayan, Jews and Gentiles together. And then we heard about this young Arab man who came to faith. He was a Muslim, you know, he was working in a kibbutz and some volunteers from Germany and Holland witnessed to him. They give, him the, they give him the Injil, you know, the New Testament, and he got saved, and he believed in Yeshua. And they said, well, we're going to take you now to a church. You know, that's what they say. We're going to take you to a church. So they brought them, they brought him to our congregation. In our congregation, the person standing at the door was a young believer by the name of Shlomi. He was like a very tall man. He, w he used to be a bodyguard for the prime minister, you know. He was a... He, he, you know, big tall man, and he hated the Arabs. He comes from the right wing, you know, Jewish, you know, um, because he's coming from Iraq. And all of his family from Iraq, was, were, they were displaced, you know. They had to leave, walking by foot, you know, coming to Israel. So he had hatred towards the, um, the Arabs. And that young man, that Muslim man, he was in prison as a young boy, because as a young boy, when he was in school, suddenly, you know, the Palestinian, uh, you know, leaders, they said, boys, girls, you're not going to school today. We've prepared all the stones, and we've invited all the TV channels from all over the world, 
and you are going to be on the news. A tank is going to arrive with three uh, Israeli young people, soldiers, inside the tank, and you are going to throw the stones and show how you poor Palestinians, with stones, you are fighting against tank. It was all prepared, you know, so what happened, the children did... Of course, they, they, you know, great, we don't go to school, we throw stones, you know, to attack, very, you know. But some of those children were wounded with rubber, rubber balls, you know. And this guy, his name was Taysir, was taken in prison. And he just vowed to himself, I will never forgive what they've done to me, this Israeli. So here is a young believer hating the Israelis. Huh? And, and then this Israeli man, hating the Arabs, they just meet at the door of our congregation. And suddenly they look at each other, and you could feel the tension. Whoa, I just said, this is, uh, wow, they're going to they're gonna fight, you know? So what happened? What happened? The end, you know, this big man, Shlomi, he took the Arab brother in his arm and says, you were my enemy, but now I love you because Jesus forgave all my sins. They became the best of friends. And you see how Jews and Arabs can be reconciled through the Prince of Peace, Yeshua, the Messiah. Now this is for us, this was very important to understand we can break any barriers with the love and the forgiveness of the Messiah. So now we work in bringing the gospel to the Jew and to the Muslim. I believe that our calling as believers is to bring the gospel to our enemies. Who are our enemies? You know, our enemies is the people who are trying to kill us. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. You know, this is not just words. This is a commandment from the Lord. And so, therefore, we believe that our calling is to bring the good news of salvation to the Muslims. And our brothers are supposed to bring the good news of salvation to the Jews. And we're supposed to do it together. This is what we have, you know, we have a ministry of, of, of you know, this is celebration of the Feast of the Lord, you know, the, uh, all the Feast of the Lord we're celebrating together. And we have a street outreach, caring and feeding the needy and the hungry. We do it together with different ministries who speak different languages because you've got Eritrean refugees, you've got uh, drug addicts, you know, speaking Russians, and you've got all kinds of different languages. And we have a lot of Arabs who are coming from all the little villages to find work in Tel Aviv. So in Tel Aviv, we're working with Arab pastors. And it's amazing when we bring the gospel to the Arabs, to the Jews, to the, to the refugees, and all together, people are looking at us, what, what kind of religion are you? I mean, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. You know, the father and his children working together, the one new man. So when you pray for us, I want you to pray that God will open more and more of our hearts so we can be a bridge. We are called to be a bridge. You know, Abraham was the first Hebrew, you know, and Hebrew, uh, it means cross over. You cross over to another culture. You cross over to your enemies and you just build a bridge. You know, we, we were worshiping about, you know, I'm, I'm free from fear. You know, you cannot move in fear. And in faith together, you need to choose. 
you know, you need to choose. You cannot be fearful or, or, or faithful because faithful is coming from the word faith. You know that, yeah? So we need to release our fear to the Lord and to allow God to give us his power, his courage, so we can cross over to our enemies and love them and bring them the greatest thing that we have, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the history of the church, by the way. You can see Paul, the, the Jew, the rabbi, was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Why? I mean, if we are on the mission board, we'll send him to Jerusalem with, you know, to preach to the rabbis, right? But, you know, God has different plans. He brings you to your enemies, and this is why when you see foreigners coming in your town, you know, wow, Lord, those are empty seats. The Lord is going to fill them, you know. Do you speak Spanish? Do you speak Arabic? Well, maybe some of you should learn already so you can invite them here, you know. And you're going to see, you're going to, you know, like we have. You know, we have wonderful brothers and sisters. Uh, um, now, this is for you. If you want to come and visit us, we have a guest house, right? There is a guest house available for you, and this is in the city of Kfar Saba. So we celebrated 30 years. This is, by the way, this is the, um, you see here, this is our building. We own the flat roof. This is our worship uh, place. This is children's and office ministry and prayer rooms. Here we are renting for the, uh, for the, uh, the ministry of uh, healing and restoration. Here is for sale. We want to buy this building. And underground here, as you come here, there's an underground floor that is going to be our bomb shelter. You know, when we had the last war, the missile fell upon our city. You know, I went to the landlord, you know, of that place, the underground floor, and I said, can you please give us the key? It was an empty garage, you know, the empty garage, you know, and say, can you please give us the key so if we are in the middle of worship, missiles fall on our heads, we know, you know, we have protection. So the man said, no problem, here's the key. You know, he gives straight away, and he said, by the way, I'm selling it. So we have, we have raised some money to buy him, and this year, by the grace of God, we are going to buy and to build a bomb shelter. So when the next war will come, whether we, with Iran or Russia or whatever, I mean, half of God and Magog coalition is already in our border, you know. We know it's going to happen. We don't know when. Definition of an Israeli, he hopes for the best, but he prepares for the worst. So as a pastor, I need to prepare for the worst and prepare to give protection for my people. So we are ra now raising funds, you know, uh, to finish the bomb shelter, and this is one of the projects you may want to be involved in. Now, I'm moving on now. We're just starting the teaching. Breakfast starts at 7 o'clock, right? Okay, amen. Why Israel matters. You know, these scriptures are being read in a wedding day. This is the picture of my... We have four children. This is our oldest daughter. She got married. If you've been to a Jewish wedding, the last... The last thing in the Jewish wedding is that the bridegroom takes, puts a glass on the floor and breaks it. Have you seen that in movies or have you been invited to, with, to your Jewish friends? He breaks it and then he says, if I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skills or dry up. 
Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my highest joy. Now, of course, the highest joy of a person is his wedding day. And yet, you know, this is every wedding. Whether they believe in God or not believe in God, this is tradition. They are proclaiming those verses. I choose to put Jerusalem above my own private joy. What's so important about Jerusalem? Jerusalem is the most important city in the world. This is the place where our Lord died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead and he will come back. Where? In Jerusalem. So two things will happen when we forsake, forget Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is the roots of our faith, basically. You know, two things will happen. Our right hand will dry up, will we'll lose its strength. The right hand speaks about authority. I'm not speaking about authority of the church in the church. I'm speaking about authority of the church in the world. When you forsake your Jewish roots, you will not have any influence on, on your society because you've cut yourself from your roots. And the roots are giving the sap. They're giving the life. Our faith is not the youngest faith in the world. It did not start 2,000 years ago with Matthew chapter 2. It started in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. This, we have the oldest faith in the world. This is very important to understand that Jesus did not create churchianity. You know, he, he, he fulfilled all the promises, you know, already stated from the book of Genesis. And we need to be reconnecting with our roots, which start in Jerusalem and in Israel. The second thing is, you know, the... the, the, the uh, the tongue clinging to our mouth, this is our witness. Many times we love so much to share the gospel with our loved one, but we don't know how to do it. We, we don't have words for it. And the Lord said, come back. The, 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 the message of salvation is already there in the roots. And this is why I'm inviting you for a larger vision. Attitude is a question of altitude. And this is wonderful that you live here in the mountains because you can understand what I'm saying about. You know, when you go up on a mountain, everything is becoming small and small and small, right? Yeah. So this is the story of four people. They're doing exactly the same thing. One, is, they're missing, mixing concrete. You know, they're building. They're mixing concrete. The first one was asked, "What are you doing, sir?" Well, don't you see I'm mixing concrete? You know. Ask the second one, what are you doing, sir? Don't you see I'm building a wall? They ask the third one, what are you doing, sir? Doing exactly the same thing. Don't you see I'm building a house? And they ask the fourth one, what are you doing, sir? Come, I will show you. Don't you see I'm building a city? You see, whatever you are doing, whatever the mixing of the concrete, changing diapers, visiting the sick, you know, taking care of an elderly, you know, everything you are doing for the kingdom, you need to have the big vision. You are building the house of the Lord. You are building the city of God. And you are involved in the greater plan of salvation that is beyond yourself. Your little church in divide is part of a greater plan to bring salvation to the whole world. And we need to be always connected to the great vision. And... The great vision is the beginning of our faith. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here it is. You already have the plan of salvation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. 
We believe in a God that is before he created. And then second thing is the creator. Now he has created two things, the heavens and the earth. Now let me ask you a question. What does God prefer? Does he prefer the earth? Does he prefer the heavens? What do you think? Who believes God prefers the earth? Who believes God prefers the heavens? Okay, can I ask a question to you? Do you have at least two children? Who has at least two children? Which child do you prefer? <laughs> I'm sorry, I tricked you, yes? I wanted to bring a point across that is very important for us to understand. If God is the creator of heaven and earth, he loves them both the same. And God's plan is always to reconcile what he has created. Well, show it to me from Scripture and from the New Testament, please. Okay, no problem. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. You see, in the fullness of times, God will gather together in one thing, in the Messiah, both which are in heavens and both which are on earth. God's plan is always to reconcile what he has created. This is why our Lord, coming from heaven, came to earth as a human being so he can identify with us. And this is why we have received his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, so we can reach heaven. And there is no greater picture to me than the flag of Israel. And I brought with me a flag to show you. And this is the way I bring the gospel in Israel to the non-believers and how to explain to the believers what God is planning. This is Genesis 1 verse 1. The first stripe on the, on the top is heavens. And the, the one on the bottom is the earth. Why is the earth blue? Because the, the water was covering the earth in the beginning, right? Genesis 1 1. In the middle, you have a, a wonderful star. Six pointed star uh, uh, arrows here. But if you look closely, it's built with two triangles. Can you see the two triangles? One with the base down going up, and one with the base up going down. The first one with the base down going up is you. You are created in three dimensions. You have a body, you have a personality, soul, which you're able to think, you're able to feel, you're able to make choices, and then you have a spirit that is reaching to heaven. You see that? The, the second triangle is our God. Our God is, is complete. Therefore, is love. You don't have love without relationship. God did not create us out of need, but out of love. He didn't say, oh, I created this whole universe, now I feel lonely. I'm going to create man so I can have fellowship with him. No. God within himself has already fellowship. You know, this is very in interesting when you talk about the, you know, the Shema Israel, you know. Hear, or, you know, O Israel, Adonai, which means my Lord, plural, you know, Adon, Lord, Adoni, my Lord, Adonai, my Lord's, plural. Elohenu, it's plural for our gods. Our Lords, our gods, are one, Echad, and Echad means Adam and Eve were one flesh. It talks about 
at least two people becoming one. So our God is one. So within himself there is the creator, the father, the spirit of God that is from the beginning. And coming down to earth, the word of God that became flesh, the son of God. You know, and the word became flesh and tabernacled, it says, you know, dwelt among us. This is the plan of salvation. God wants to dwell in your heart. God want to, wants to make his home into your heart. This is the plan of salvation. It's already in Genesis chapter 1. Have you invited your God to dwell in your heart? Is your body the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is all about intimacy. Our Lord wants to be one with us. And this is the purpose of salvation. Now I'm going to move... I'm going to move a little bit forward here to show you that Israel is a road for a message. Now, Israel is a very, is a very strip of land. It takes you six hours to go. This is, the, this is the Israeli border here. This is Lebanon here. You know, from here to here, it's about six hours drive. Six hours drive. And from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River, this is the Dead Sea, this is the Sea of Galilee, one hour. Very small of land, uh, piece of land. Why has God chosen to reveal himself to this area? Well, again, we need the bigger picture. Where are we located? We're located between three continents, Africa, Europe, and Asia, and we are located basically in the old Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. This is Jerusalem, by the way. And this is the scripture that shows you the borders of the Garden of Eden. The first river, the Pishon, Havilah, where there is gold, is Arabia. Arabia is dry now, but it used to be a river then. Okay? The second river, the Gion, is the land of Cush, Ethiopia. This is talking about the Nile, the Nile River, you know, that flows in Egypt. The third one, it's the Tigris in Iraq. And the fourth one is the Euphrates in Syria. Now if I go back, if you go back to this, this here, you see those rivers around the Garden of Eden is basically the Middle East, from Iraq to Egypt. Can you say to your neighbor, the Garden of Eden is the Middle East? Now when you think about the Middle East, are you thinking it's a beautiful Garden of Eden? No, our God has a lot of work. He has a lot of work to do. But he has already started. You see, he has already started. Remember, one day is like a thousand years. One day is like a thousand years. So what happened to man? Man, when man sinned, God offered the first sacrifice. You know, they wanted to clothe themselves with the fig tree leaves. That was not enough. So God had to kill an animal. The first animal killed was killed in the Garden of Eden, where everything was so beautiful and perfect. Blood was shed to cover human beings with the skin of animals. And you know, God already covered the sin of Adam and Eve, but he has not paid yet for the sin of Adam and Eve. You see, covering was between the first Adam to the coming of Jesus. And then, 
paying for the sin, which means forgiving the debt, was done by our Lord on the cross. This is why when Jesus came, he called himself the Son of Man. Son of Man in Hebrew is Ben Adam, the son of Adam. So he was just came to be on for one sin, the original sin that was made in the Garden of Eden. Sin was covered. This is like if I go to the restaurant with my friend Max. He says, I'm inviting you to the restaurant. But don't worry, I'm covering for it. So we go together to the restaurant, but it doesn't take away any credit card or money. I mean, we, we eat and we enjoy. And, and just at the end, as we are go, going out of the restaurant, then he pays. This is what happened with our Lord. Sins were covered with the blood, the sacrifice of animals until Jesus came. And then Jesus, when he's on the cross, he said, it is all paid for. In Greek, tetelestai, it means it's all paid in full, tips included. So we can receive it by faith that all our sins have been forgiven, have been paid for. Now, Adam and Eve were removed from the Garden of Eden, east of Eden. And you have those angels, strong angels, the cherubim. They were the garden angels. Now, if you know scriptures, and if you are involved in knowing, you know, in, in worship, you know that the cherubim were the only reproductions of angels allowed by God. It says you will not have molten image of any people, any idols, and yet give the commandment to Moses in the Holy of Holy to build a statue of those angels in the Ark of the Covenant. So when the priests will come once a year in the Yom Kippur and sprinkle the blood of sacrifice upon the cherubim, it was a message to say, hey, there will come a time where the, the perfect high priest will come with his own blood and will open back the gate of the Garden of Eden and bring us back to eternal life. This is the plan of salvation already in the book of Exodus. You see, we, we, we came from Genesis to Exodus now. We're doing good, right? Okay? Amen. Now, I want you to look. It's something here. This is the traveling, the traveling of the patriarchs. Look at the red dot. You see the red dot here? Abraham starts in her, Chaldea. Do you remember where I'm looking back? This is here. It starts here. This is Abraham starts here. This is her Chaldea. And look what Abraham is going to do. I'm giving you a hint here. Look. God calls him. This is his calling. Go out of your country, from your family, from your comfort zone. You know, with your, from your father's house to a land I will show you. No GPS. <laughs> he was led by the Spirit of God. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing to all the world. And it says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Three times this verse is being used. The first one to Abraham. The second to Jacob. The third one to prophets that, were, that was paid to curse Israel. And he said, how can I curse Israel? If God loves Israel, it was Bilam. Three times the same verse. I will bless those who bless Israel. I curse those who curse Israel. Curse is to remove protection and blessings. You know, 
Now, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If your family is blessed, it's because of Abraham. What's happened to Abraham? God says, to you and to your descendants, I will give, you know, the promises. Abraham had no children. And God provided a child for him. That child carried another child that became the son of the promise. And this is why your New Testament starts with Matthew chapter 1. Here is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. And then you have a bunch of names. Have you ever thought why God, the greater author, would start the New Testament with a list of names. I'm sure you've skipped that list, right? You want to go to the story, right? But this chapter is very important. It connects us with our roots. And I remember in the United States, I met a Jewish lady, and she said, I got saved by reading, you know, the genealogy of my Lord to understand that he came from the right family to fulfill all the promises here. Now, this is a, a picture of Elon More. This is the first time where God appears to Abraham. This is in Genesis chapter uh, 12, verse 7. So we see here the first time that God meets with um, Abraham in Elon More and then in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is, there's a king. There's a king called Melchizedek, my king of righteousness. And the king Melchizedek, my king of righteousness, is priest and is a king. And he gives bread and wine. The first mention of bread and wine in scripture is, the, is in the book of Genesis. You know, Messiah gives to Abraham bread and wine. And he tells him, I'm, command you, I'm commanding you, this is verse 19, you know, uh, blessed be Abraham from the God most high, redeemer of heaven and earth. So Abraham received a mandate to start the redemption of the Garden of Eden. Remember, creator of heaven and earth. Start first with the natural. So what is Abraham doing? You know, he goes and dig wells of water. Where are the great preaching of Abraham in the Bible? You know, he's a man of God. Where are, where are the prophetic insight? No, he's a friend of God. He's praying. <laughs> he's praying. <laughs> he's trying to move the hand of God. Lord, if there are 50 righteous in Sodom, you know, 40, you know, 30, he's bargaining with the Lord. He's a friend of God. When, when you're a friend of God, you can bargain, you know, for salvation, right? And what did he do? First, the natural digging well, you know, digging, uh, bringing the water, you know, out of the desert. This is what the Jewish people have done when they arrived to the land of Israel. They started first with the natural. It was a desert. It was a desert. And now it's become a wonderful garden. When you come to Israel, you're going to see what God has done. But it's not enough. First the natural, but then the spiritual. And the spiritual has to do with salvation. Where God speaks for the second time to Abraham and says, Abraham, the child I give you, the child of the promise, the child that was born supernaturally, you know, as Sarah was so, so old, you know, was a miracle child. Isaac, 
And God said to Abraham, I don't want you to kill Isaac in your garden. I want you to travel to the land of Moriah, to the land of Moriah. And there, it's in Jerusalem. And then in the land of Moriah, Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Why? Because when he arrived there about to kill his son, there was a ram, there was an animal, <laughs> probably the same animal that was in the Garden of Eden. We don't know what kind of skin they had, you know. Uh, probably not moose or, or bear, right? <laughs> right? You agree with me? Okay, it had to be kosher, right? Kosher, yeah. So, you know, the Lord will provide as it is said to this day. I want you to understand, this is, this is the secret verse of Genesis. Yeah? Secret verse of Revelation. Where our Lord had to die for our sins, to atone for the sins of the first Adam. It says, it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, Mount Moriah, it shall be provided. Question, who wrote the book of Genesis? God, of course, yes, amen. Through whom? Moses. Did Moses go to Mount Moriah? Did Moses go to Jerusalem? He probably saw it from Mount Nebo, you know, from on the other side of, of the Jordan, you know, but it didn't go. And yet, while they were in the wilderness, Mount Moriah was known as the mountain of the Lord where God will provide. Looking prophetically, there will be a time, you know, one day is like a thousand years, you remember? There will be a time where our Lord will die where? On Mount Moriah. On Mount Moriah, because he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is what John the Baptist said, you know, in his baptism. He is the Lamb of God. The only reason our Lord came is to die. To die for the sin of man, you know. I mean, our ancestor is the first Adam, you know. So he's going to take care of all that. It's, it's not going to be covered anything. He just came back to pay the bill, you know, and to give his blood. And so is the Messiah who died on Passover. There's, there's no time to talk about Passover, but I move on now. This is Mount Moriah. The first temple was built on Mount Moriah. It's called Temple Mount. David, his dream was to build a house for the Lord. You know, he was a worshiper. He wanted intimacy. I'm going to build your house. And God said, well, you're a man of blood. Your son will do it. Again, next generation. Maybe there are things that you want to achieve, and God says, Maybe not you, but maybe your children or your grandchildren. You know, sometimes it skips a generation. You know, have, you, have you noticed that? You know? First temple, and then the last temple that was built by Herod the Great. And Jesus walked in that temple. They were just finishing it. It took 46 years to build it. And the disciples said, look at that. This is so beautiful. And the Lord said, destroy this temple. I will rebuild it in three days. What was God's plan? Not for us to worship in a temple of stone, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is dwelling in us. And he has died at the foothill of Mount Moriah. This is a place called Golgotha. Golgotha means the place of the skull because there was a big stone that looked like a skull and that a Golgotha place was the quarry of stones to build the temple. It was just at the foothill of Mount Moriah. This is Mount Moriah here, and this is Golgotha. You know, just outside of the temple, he was crucified. And when our Lord died, he shed his blood. He died on Passover, and he died when? It 
says what, in what time exactly? You know, it says three o'clock in the afternoon. Three o'clock in the afternoon was the beginning of the shifts of the sacrifice of the lambs for the families. They would all come to the temple between three and six. It's called the twilight hours. They would come and the first families would come at three o'clock so their, their, their lamb would be slaughtered. They could go and celebrate Passover. Our Lord just died as the first lamb of Passover at the right time at the right place. And there is a scripture says in Psalm 119, you know, uh, 118, the stone that the builders, you know, rejected has become the corner stone. It's also quoted in the New Testament. The stone that the builders rejected is the cornerstone. You cannot build the temple without Yeshua. Now, when, when I go and do conferences, sometimes it's one day conference or two or three, I have a question and answer things. And the first question people ask me, sir, what do you think about the third temple? Should we, sh you know, should we invest our prayers and our money into the third temple, you know? I say no. The third temple is not for us. This is the temple of the Antichrist. This is the temple where we are going to, they are going to go back to, hum, to animal sacrifice. You see? And this is why the Antichrist is going to walk into the, the temple. It's not for us. When Jesus died on the Christ, it's paid for. It is finished. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's it. There's no new temple. Only, only when our Lord will come back when we will be raptured and, and meet with him and come back as the new Jerusalem, you know, with the base in the old Jerusalem, because Jerusalem, the word Jerusalem means Yerushalayim, two cities of Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem and the earthly Jerusalem. So the end of salvation, the end of redemption will be when the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ, the bride of the Lamb, will come back where in the earthly Jerusalem, like the flag you have seen. So I want to thank God for this wonderful salvation. This is the background of your faith. So when you meet your, your Muslim friends, when you meet your Hindu friends, or your Buddhist friends, you can share about the roots of your faith. It didn't start with our Lord dying on the cross. He fulfilled. You understand now what I'm saying? He's fulfilled. Now, if you, if you slept while I was speaking, you can get the book, you know? And uh, we've got also a wonderful book to learn Hebrew, if you want to learn Hebrew. Can we pray together? Now, this is, this is what I want to ask you. This is what my, our prayer, okay? You see, when the disciple asked the Lord, are you going to bring to restore the kingdom to Israel? What did Jesus say? Of course not, I'm finished with Israel. No, he didn't say that. He said, it is not for you to know the times and places, the time that the Father has put in his own authority. So there will be a restoration of the kingdom to Israel. What is the most important thing about the kingdom? I'm gonna give you a hint, it's in the word. It's in the word kingdom. What is the most important? The first or the last part? King. Kingdom of Israel is where the king, Jesus, is ruling in the heart of Israel. 
This is why you are called to pray for the salvation of the Jewish people. For the veil to be open, we're just in the beginning, right? Only 30,000 out of 8 millions. So your calling is to pray that Jesus will be the king of the Jewish people and he will restore his kingdom. He says, it is not for you to know the time, but in the meantime, what's happening? You shall receive power. And I like to translate the word power by courage because sometimes the fear of man is gripping us and we, we are so fearful to share the gospel. If I tell them that I'm a believer in Yeshua, they're going to look upon me and, and they're going to mock me. So what? So what? If God is for you, who can be against you? I'm no longer a slave of fear, right? Slave of the fear of man. This is the main issue. We want to be accepted. You're already accepted in the beloved. I mean, if God is with you, I mean, you know, I don't care what people think about me. I tell you, you know, God is with me. You know, whom shall I fear? You shall be my witnesses. The witnesses, God has done wonderful things in your life. You need to share it. Go to your friends, go to your relatives, knock at the door of your neighbors and say, can I tell you? that my God is alive, what he has done for me, you be his witnesses. In Jerusalem, started in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, we live at the foothill of Samaria, divide the utmost part of the world. I want every one of you who want to be a disciple of Yeshua, who want to be free from the fear of man, to stand up where you are and say, yes, Lord, I want to be your disciple. I want to obey you. Yes. You have given the gospel. You died on the cross in Jerusalem for my sins. And now I want to be a faithful witness wherever you send me, whether in this community, maybe further, I want to be your disciple. Remember, there is no such a thing as a silent witness. We need to share what God is doing. Freely we have received, freely we want to give. Father, we want to come before you as your disciples. We thank you for the beautiful exchange at the cross. You died that we might receive life. You were wounded that we might receive healing. You were cursed on the tree that we might receive your blessings. Lord, you were ashamed, naked, that we might receive your glory. We thank you for the exchange. We thank you that you've, Lord, give us the spirit of adoption that cries, Abba, Father. And Lord, we want to say, yes, Lord, ineni Adonai, here I am, Lord. Give me, Lord, your Holy Spirit. Give me courage so I might be a faithful witness, not afraid to share salvation, to share my testimony with friends and families and even uh, foreigners and enemies. Lord, I want to ask you, Lord, to fill me with your spirit so that I, I might be sent out from this place to be your ambassadors of life, your ambassadors of healing and salvation. And I receive, Lord, everything that you want to give me. I thank you, Lord, for being your child, for being your servant, and for being the one that you want to use to build your kingdom of God. Let your will be done on earth, here in divide, as it is in heaven. B'Shem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen and amen. Thank you very much for listening.